0: White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 579.
1: Hey, this is Raymond Benson, and you're listening to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast.
0: Her Majesty's Secret Podcast has returned.
1: I'm Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Alan J. Porter. Welcome aboard, Alan. Thanks, Van. I was just thinking, you realize that actually after this one, I suppose we should stop because we actually started to fill the gap between Spectre and this Bond 25, thinking we'd have 24 months, one (laughs) show a month. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess after this, we're done,
0: yeah? Uh, It it didn't work out (laughs) quite the way we envisioned it, but... Honestly over the last two years not much has worked out the way we kind of envisioned it so. That's
1: true, including actually just trying to do this particular show. So.
0: no kidding. It's yeah this was Yeah uh, for our listeners, the very first thing I want to little, little note about what's been going on is yeah we uh, uh, as soon as the movie came out, I had I had a medical situation for a little while and then Alan had one as soon as I was kind of back and so we've been delayed. but I think it's worked out because I was able by the hardest, to get uh, individual reactions, and we've been peppering those out along like for the first week or two. That was good. And so now that Alan and I are, are both kind of feeling better to some degree, uh, we can kind of come in here and do our standard, our 25th big review, right?
1: Yeah. And just to add to that, we were meant to actually do this last night, and literally as I plugged my microphone in, we had a power, uh, power cut that ended up lasting 12 hours. So <laughs> we're uh- was it a day late and a dollar short or something? Well,
0: know, but. E- either the good Lord or Spectre or somebody, Eon, somebody did not want us to do this show, and we've had to overcome obstacle after obstacle
1: to get here. But here we are. We made it. It's just just like the movie itself. Yes. Constant, constantly moving release date. So.
0: It's totally appropriate. It's totally, yeah, yeah it, it absolutely fits in with everything else about this movie that doing a review of it should be this difficult. It absolutely, <laughs> it absolutely fits in in a sad and yet very appropriate way. So, all right. Well, uh, for those who are new to the show, Alan and I over the last, what, three years, maybe have yeah. reviewed, um, all 24 pl- of the, of the Eon Bond movies all the way from Dr. Noah through Spectre. Plus we've reviewed, we reviewed, um, the uh, the Thunderball remake, uh, Never Say Never, say never, never, say never Again, yeah, and we've reviewed uh, that abominable thing with, with uh, <laughs> David Niven, uh, which uh, I shall not mention, and we even reviewed the 1950s TV show, which is actually pretty darn good, I thought. It was better than a lot of the movies, <laughs> to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Uh, so we've covered quite a bit of stuff, and that's not, in a, not even in mentioning all the stuff that you and Jared have done with the music and that uh, Jared and his crew have done with the Rogue Agents, the Rookie Agents slash Rogue Agents. So there's been quite a lot of content. But here I think we're ready to finally do our big review of the last Daniel Craig, James Bond movie. And you can be happy or sad about that, folks, as you see fit. I'm I'm happy. I'm, I'm not wanting to crap on Daniel Craig. I just feel like he's had the title now over a longer period of time than anybody. Is that not correct, Alan?
1: Yeah, uh, sixteen years. makes him the longest tenured Bond, even if he yeah. hasn't done the most movies. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, this was only his
0: fifth movie in sixteen years, and I don't think that's so much on him as on a couple of factors. But, yeah. but, um, and I
1: guess that depends how you count the time—whether it's the time between him being announced and f- finishing filming his last movie, or the mm-hmm. release of his last movie, because that added another eighteen months, didn't it? Sure, yeah, so, uh, yeah, or whatever. But yeah, but he is the uh, the longest tenured Bond, so. Uh,
0: so regardless of how we felt about him, you may think he's the best or the worst or somewhere in between, we can all agree that maybe it's time to kind of, you know, new blood, right? Move yeah. along, get somebody newer, younger. I've, I've pointed out before that Daniel Craig and I were born about two weeks apart. So I don't feel that old, but I also don't feel like James Bond. So <laughs> I, I, I think we're ready for somebody more maybe maybe in their 30s instead of somebody in their 50s. I don't know. Not that there's yeah. anything wrong with people in their 50s, of course. That's what you know. <laughs> so, where shall we begin? Um, we're going to stick to our standard general structure of just general discussion about the movie uh, that we've done with the other 24. But it's been such a long time, I was just telling Alan that I uh, I barely remember h- how we structured them before. So, we're just going to talk about it, right?
1: Yeah, and um, we'll just loosely work through the plot and see what comes up. Um, I guess we're going to be spoiler heavy right out the gate. Or? Yeah,
0: yeah. I think at this point, it's it's the 29th of October as we're reviewing this. I think that anybody that's that anxious to hear a review of the movie has probably already seen it. So I think we can. Right. If we if we'd recorded this two weeks ago, I'd be more hesitant. But now I think we can do it. Don't you generally start us off with some sorts of. Uh, Factoids or behind the scenes. Generally things. do,
1: but like I just said to you before we went on air, I literally have no notes on this one. I haven't written up any notes, so um, you know, I think I think we'll probably keep that. Maybe we'll do a deeper dive into sort of background and more of the details and the because I usually like like pointing out little bits of trivia and stuff. I think we'll probably do that after the DVD release when I can actually sit down and really get through it in more detail and do notes. Um, I think I. For this one, I, let's let's just sort of walk work through the plot and talk talk about stuff that comes out. Because I, you know, I think a lot of people at this point probably know a lot of the background anyway. So yeah. we've been living with it for the last six years. No kidding. <laughs> so.
0: Well, I, I am looking forward to seeing this on video just because, honestly, the way it's gone the last 10 years, we've only had, you know, in the last nine years, we've had two movies. So yeah. I'm, I'm much more at this point think of James Bond movies as something I watch on TV than something I watch in the theater.
1: Yeah, exactly, and and actually, just that sort of brings thing. You know, there's always been the the, uh, the producers have always said, you know, this is a movie who, you know you have to see on the cinema screen. Um, and having seen it on the cinema screen, I totally understand what they mean. I mean, it is a very cinematic mm-hmm. movie, it, and we maybe get into Absolutely. this, but it does look gorgeous, and it 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 is. And yeah, you know, I've heard people who've seen it on IMAX say, you know, yeah, you, it's brilliant on IMAX. Um, I saw it twice in the movie theater, but the thing is, as you said. Yeah, I may watch it twice in the movie theatre, but I'm probably going to watch it God knows how many times on the TV screen over the next however many years. Um, and that's where we watch most of the Bond. You know, going to see Bond on the, on the big screen is a rare treat. Uh, you know, when I go and see one of the old ones on the big screen when somebody does, you know, a retrospective or something, um, that's a rare treat. So, yeah, these, these movies may be made to be seen on the big screen, but most people watch them most of the time on TV. That's true. So, yeah.
0: Well... Let's get into it then. Um, the the opening, I believe. Well, we get a gun barrel. We get yeah. a gun barrel, Alan. I was so excited.
1: We get- uh, well, it, it, yeah. Just the um, the opening white dots just had me. I mean, it was that was. I didn't really believe it until I was sat in the movie theater <laughs> and the white dots came across the screen. It's like this is actually happening. It doesn't matter what the movie's like. I'm excited that this is a real Bond movie and it's actually starting uh, with the white dots. So that 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 sort of got the goosebumps going. Um, and it was a good score. Um, the gun barrel score was pretty good. I thought it was a good intro to the score. Um, I think the interesting thing is the way they had Bond's figure fade out at the end of the gun barrel. I thought, you know, um, the way he faded away. And you, know, you mm. just got the empty gun barrel at the end. And then it faded into the the, the snow scene at the opening sequence. I thought was, uh, you know clearly in you know 2020 hindsight but it was like okay that was a nice bit of foreshadowing you know um well I and mean, we, they did front load the movie a bit with the foreshadowing but uh,
0: that's true mira did lean over to me and say where's the blood yeah which i noticed was missing but i guess that was like a step too far that was a little cheesy that's a little 1970s you know what i'm saying yeah that we didn't get the blood dripping down the the camera lens as they fired it so yeah. i could forgive yeah. that i thought that was fine so yeah so we go to the snowy landscape of I guess Norway, and we see a younger Savin. Um, and I love the connection to Mr. White, because I remember that Madeline is Mr. White's daughter, if I recall correctly. Right. So we get a really we get a really nice non James Bond kind of opening. In fact, is this not and 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 we had to state up front, by the way, you and I both have not listened to other reviews. So we're not copying right. anybody else. This is our this is what you and I are thinking off the top of our heads from having seen the movies. Okay. All right. Was this not the longest pre-title sequence as in Bond history? Had to be,
1: right? I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I think—oh, uh, good grief. Which one I mean, was it? The the um,
0: one—it was one of the Brosnan
1: ones the, that was— Yeah, the, the World is Not Enough with the— Yeah, with the, the boat. Chase was 14 minutes. I, I didn't time this one, but it, it, I think it was longer. But it was also like two separate things.
0: Yes, I'd forgotten we hadn't had it yet because it was so long. When the, when the pre when the title sequence started, I was like, "Oh, we haven't done this."
1: Yeah. I literally yeah, had forgotten one. we hadn't done it because it was so long. Right. And uh, and it was two separate things. Um so, I going back to the the uh the Mr. White thing, um mm-hmm. what I really loved about that opening sequence is it it paid off a line that was inspector. Um and I don't know whether they they seeded it inspector with the intention of doing this or whether they just picked up on the line inspector and thought that's a good thing. We'll write a scene around it. But there's a line inspector where when Bond gives Madeleine Swan the gun on the train and says about, and she says, I don't like guns. And she says, when I was 10, a man came to the house and he didn't know that there was a gun taped under the sink next to the bleach or there was a nine millimeter sort of implying that she, she'd shot somebody when she was 10 years old with this nine millimeter that was taped under the sink. So when they opened the movie and she went looking for stuff to clean up after her mom, and she opened the sink, covered under the sink, and did a shot from inside, and there was a nine millimeter taped up by the bleach. I was like, "Oh, that's cool." I had um, forgotten
0: that. I had totally <laughs> forgotten that. That's a great catch.
1: <coughs> so I, I like that that they picked that up, um, and it sort of helped justify, if you like, that line inspector. And it, and just as a general point, um, I actually think this movie helped raise spectre in my opinion and as you know that was actually bottom of my list i think it moved it off the bottom of my list after seeing this because i think the two of them together again a bit like casino and quantum these two working this and Spectre working together gave a better overall picture um and it picked up on a lot of things from spectre and, and sort of built on them which i thought was cool and that that was the first one that's that was i think the first time i nudged jill and went hey look Nine millimeter by the bleach, you know.
0: If, if yeah. you had nudged me and said that, I'd have been like, Alan, I have no idea what you're talking about. Give, <laughs> give me some well, more MMs. Like
1: two nights previously. So. <laughs> give,
0: give me some more MMs and be quiet. I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> so, well, That'd I have to say, everything
0: good in this movie, script wise, I have already decided was Phoebe Waller Bridge. <laughs> I mean, I, even if it wasn't, I don't care. I've already decided that that's what it was because because the writing in this movie was so much better. Than most of the more recent Bond movies. I'm just like, well, what was the difference? Well, Phoebe Waller Bridge. So therefore, I don't care if she came in and changed three lines. I'm giving her all the credit because it was so much better written than the last few movies.
1: Period. I think the conversation we can get to this when we get on, but I think the fact that the, the people actually had real conversations. Yeah. As opposed to just emote, <laughs> I think was down to her. Yeah. So
0: yeah. She's brilliant. brilliant she is yeah. brilliant. She's I mean, she's the equivalent. Of back in the '90s, bringing in Josh Whedon to do a treatment on your script. You know, he would always come in and and put something funny in, and fix some dialogue, and put a couple of references in, and it was better when he was done. And right. that's kind of where I, again, knowing nothing other than that she worked on it, that's kind of where I see it.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what did you? I mean, I like this opening sequence because it really, it, again, it added to Mad- Madeline's character a bit. Yes, um, gave her a bit. I like the thing with you know because. Again, Inspector Mr. White says some, something about his wife left him, but it's mm. like okay, this ties back into no, his wife didn't let leave him. He, you know, she was killed because of who he was. Um, it it can also makes it understandable why he was so protective of Madeline. I thought it was a good setup. If you knew Spectre, it was a good setup, but I also thought it was a good setup for this movie uh, to move it forward.
0: Well, I got to say this about Mr. White and his shoddy security structures. Uh, <laughs> here's what we know about Mr. White so far. Bond can shoot him from a distance at the end of Casino Royale. Bond can break into his house in Spectre, right? Yeah. And Savin can break into his house in this movie. I don't have a whole lot of confidence. <laughs> if, if there's like the Mr. White home security company, I'm not, I'm not getting a contract with them.
1: I haven't thought of that, but that's a very good point, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm not not thrilled with his security measures. He's very porous. Very mm. porous security. Now, now, once he's captured, he's 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 in good shape, right? Because he's got guys
1: everywhere yeah. that can yeah. get him uh, out. But here's a here's good at hi- uh, having hidden rooms that you can't get into. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's true. But his own actual house, uh, yeah. It's, it's but here's just... an
0: idea, Mr. White. How about focusing a little bit on keeping the bad guys out rather than having somebody get you out once they get you? I'm just just throwing that out there. I don't know. <laughs> Well, anyway, but yeah, I did really like that opening sequence in the snow in Norway and the house and the little girl and everything, and I really didn't know where it was going. I wasn't sure that that was her. See, that was the mm-hmm. thing. is I was like, I have no idea who this little girl is. It maybe I guess maybe it's Madeline, but I don't know. I didn't know who Savin was at that point. I didn't have a clue. And they go. She, she goes running out on the lake, and I'm like, "Okay, she's gonna die, and maybe she's gonna take him with her or something else." I, I hadn't, I really had no idea where that was going, and so it really pulled me in because it was a complete mystery to me.
1: Yeah, cool. Yeah, like I say, for me, I wasn't wasn't sure who it was until she opened that cabin and you saw the the gun, and I'm like, "Okay, it's Madeline."
0: Didn't help um, me, but it is a good it's a good reference if you if you were on, on top of it for sure.
1: Right. Um. Yeah. Saffin, I thought was good. The only thing, and again, this is sort of jumping forward a bit, but um. And Jill and I have had this had this conversation, um, and you probably thought it too. The, I couldn't figure out the math of the ages with Safin and Madeline because yeah. she said in Spectre she was 10 years old when this happened, and Safin in here, when she shot him, seemed to be a fully grown man. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the movie, he seems to be still around the same sort of age. <laughs> even know, it's yeah. meant to be, I don't know, I guess 10 years further on, 15 years further on. It
0: have to so, be at least... She I mean yeah. Madeline Madeline is not 20. I mean she's got to be No, a, she's
1: in her 30s I would have thought. Uh,
0: something like that surely. Well I mean good grief Bond
1: is 53 now so Yeah. Yeah. 51 when the movie was made even yeah. if he aged him down to 45 for the movie. Whatever. She was you know in her 30s um so yeah, yeah I couldn't figure out you know was it the poison that he had that the you know <laughs> kept him at a certain age you know age. The other thing is you know if if you're going to wear a mask why introduce yourself? <laughs> Cause he, he, I mean, the no mask was very effective. Yeah. But uh, and I guess it was meant to hide the scars. But and then he says, "Hey, you know, my name's Safin, and your you know your husband killed my family." You know, so it's like, uh, well, why are you wearing a mask if you're gonna?
0: <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Maybe one for, if you're gonna
1: uh, announce yourself, and two if you're gonna kill everybody anyway. What, well,
0: maybe it was for like any cameras that were recording, and he have been the the authority. The authorities would have known.
1: Right, he but it still said his name out, so it would have recorded that.
0: I guess maybe he thought they only had security cameras outside the house. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good <laughs> yeah. point. Maybe it's I'm
1: overthinking good. it, but it was just a well, well why would I mean, yeah, visually yeah. it looked very cool, but yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, no, it is a good question. It absolutely is. So, anything else about that opening bit? What was the other opening bit? I'm, I'm trying to remember now. We go to is it, it's, it's Bond on the beach,
1: right? With no, with, it goes so it goes from Madeline under the water in under the eyes to then the grown up madeline coming swimming with Bond. bonds on the beach on the beach right yeah that's up, what then that's they what. drive up to the, the the town in italy so i'm assuming it was you know the beach was i don't know somewhere in italy or somewhere but yeah 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 and then they drive up to marta um and we get the the first, another bit of blatant foreshadowing with the, that that phrase and that music so.
0: yeah what what did you think about the the now all right i got two big things that are about to come up but let me I'm gonna move one ahead of the other because of what you just said. So here's you know, people have said something about, well, they I have seen, I, haven't, again, I haven't listened to any reviews or anything, but I have seen comments on Twitter and whatever. People have said they use too much reference to previous movies or whatever. but here was my thought on that. when when um, the when Mendez did that in his two previous movies, I felt he was doing it for the sake of doing it. He's like, mm-hmm. hey, look at this. I saw Dr. No. Here's something from that. Hey, look at this. I saw I saw Live and Let Die. Here's that gun holster. Oh, here's that so-and-so from that movie. Whereas in this movie, I thought that all of the references to previous movies were an organic part of the story. It wasn't just, hey, look at this cool thing I happen to remember from that other movie. It was, this fits together.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Um, they didn't feel egregious. They felt like they felt organic. They felt like yes. they came from, from the movie. Um, yes, exactly. Organic. Yeah. Mendes is one, but if you think back to, God forbid, I'm going to actually say this, but Diana, the day when, you know, yeah. um, you know, Brosnan walks into Q's lab and it's like, oh, look, here's everything from all the mm-hmm. other movies. And, you know, he makes a crack about this is your 20th watch and stuff. It's like, yeah, okay, we get it.
0: You know? Well, um, that was the 40th anniversary, and that's why. Yeah, I know. But even so, it
1: was, it, it, they were really hammering. This one, yes, there was a lot of callbacks, but I've spoken to friends who aren't into Bond who didn't, they weren't going, well, what was that? What was the significance of that? Which I've heard from before when things have been thrown in, it's like, well, you know, I don't understand how that fit with the story. I haven't heard anything like that from this one, from if you like the civilians and the non-Bond geeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, for the Bond geeks, I think there were so many different levels of it. There was the obvious throwbacks. There was a lot of really deep cuts um, mm-hmm. that were just part of the movie and um, and, you know, and there was a lot of Fleming references, too. So, you know, um, I think if you're going to do it, lean into it and do it well. Um, this was this was Craig's Honor Majesty's. I mean, we've been hearing that for years, that this was going to be Craig's Honor Majesty's Secret Service once we That's knew right. he was going to do another one. Um, and they, they lent into that. But I think they did it in a respectful way. And I think they did it in a way that actually grew from the story. Um, because, you know, yeah, when he yeah. said we have all the time yeah. in the world. Yeah, all the Bond fans were like, <gasps> okay, yep. we know so what we know what's coming. But so yep, anybody thought- else to anybody else in the audience? Oh well, that's a nice romantic line. I mean, who else in the general audience is gonna remember something from a movie from nineteen
0: sixty nine? Dude, I'm hitting Unless the panic button. Right, exactly. Yeah. I was hitting the panic button. I was like, oh Lord, oh no, oh no. Oh, no 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 don't say that line but yeah it's it's heavily played on that was that was the movie I think that got the most play in this but there were others too right there were a couple other references that came along there was
1: yeah there was a few references along maybe we can pick up on some of those but yeah but they, I mean it really did lean heavily both in terms of this uh, in a couple of places in the score um, and in obviously the structure yeah um, yeah
0: so um let me go ahead and put it because we're heading into that section now I want to go ahead go ahead and put my big question out there the one problem with the movie, it's funny because I see—I I do see people, again, on social media saying, I loved all this movie except the ending, and obviously we're going to talk about that. I've seen a lot of people say that I loved the whole movie except for the ending. I thought the ending was great. But the part I had an issue with that I was never clear on was how we go from, oh, Madeline, I love you, smoochy, 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 to there's an explosion at this tomb, to you're an evil traitor and I never want to see you again. And I'm like, wait, I had whiplash. I'm like, what just happened? So if you could please help me to understand why did Bond freak the F out and kick her to the curb because a bomb went off at Vesper's tomb. I didn't understand that. And by the way, why is Vesper... I guess that's near Venice, so that would explain why Vesper was buried there.
1: Okay. Well, actually, I had that same question with why is Vesper's tomb in an necropolis in a little village in Italy? <laughs> um, uh, and Jill was like, well, didn't you notice the names in the, other, in the above it were also Lind last names, okay. so it's obviously a family tomb. And I'm like, okay, I think it was a bit of a stretch just to get it to that location, but okay, I'll, I'll go with that. Um, so I think there was two things in that. So when... He's racing back to find her after the bomb's gone off, and he meets the Cyclops guy for the first time, and he's fighting with the Cyclops guy. The Cyclops guy says something like, you do know she's a daughter of Spectre. Oh, uh, Okay. Okay, so he plants that seed.
0: On purpose, then, we later find out, right? I on do purpose, know that. we later find out. I know yeah. that, yeah. Uh,
1: and then late then when, she's in the ho- when they're getting in the car, her phone goes off, and she won't answer it, and he tells her to answer it, and when she does, it's a voice recording of Blofeld. Okay. Calling so, her. Um, so
0: Blofeld was basically setting her up. Just so to Blofeld be was setting mean. her up.
1: To, or, yeah, to basically drive a wedge between her and and Bond to get Bond basically the, on his own. Or that's or, what yeah. he does.
0: That's his yeah. thing. Is being mean. Yeah, to manipulating
1: Bond. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so all right, that, I guess that's, that's the way I got it. Yeah. So I, talking about dumping her, kicking her to the curb or to the railway station. You said it. I think on the only other reviews I've heard with, with the initial reaction reviews and I think you said it on your uh, on yours that you'd noticed that she, you or Mira noticed that she was holding her stomach.
0: Oh, immediately. Yes, I said, oh, she's pregnant.
1: We, two times we saw that in the movie theater, We neither Jill or I clocked that at all. Huh. Neither of us noticed it the two times we saw it in the movie theater. Wow. It was only afterwards seeing a few comments online and we were like, oh, yeah. Or actually, I think it was listening to your review. Actually, the, the night we went to see it the first time, we were driving back from an event we did at a local winery um, and we were listening to your review on the way home and you said it and we both looked at each other and went, Oh yeah. (laughs) But we, the two times we saw it in the movie theater, we didn't, we didn't see that. So
0: yeah, it's just, it's partly my wife's fault because my wife is very observant of little things in TV shows and movies. And she immediately will say like, you know, like if we're watching a show and a character's hand shakes, she's like, Oh, she's got yeah. a disease, she's gonna die And they always do, you know what I mean? Any little thing <laughs> is like a they yeah, like yeah. they wouldn't show that if it wasn't for a reason. And Amy is just like immediately, Oh, that person's gonna die, that person's but oh that she's pregnant, you know. So she totally uh-huh. jumped on that immediately and yeah, and I and I noticed it. So that's why I was sensitive to it and noticed it. I'm like, Okay, she she did the you'll see this, nobody else will, but she did the and I'm like, Okay. Yeah. She <laughs> put her hand on her stomach.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, what did you think of that opening action sequence? With the um, 5 and in the, Italy, the, the the motorcycle stuff? And.
0: Oh, it was great. That was one of the better ones that Craig has done, I thought, because it, it the, one of the things I thought was really neat about it was that it combined several really cool segments. And in fact, I, it was kind of unfortunate that we had seen it for two years, a lot of it, right? We'd seen mm-hmm. the swinging on the rope and the car spinning around shooting and all that. Uh, we had seen that. In the trailers for two years now and it was like watching a movie it's like watching specter again or something because it had been yeah. you know but getting to see it in continuity here's what i noticed about that i liked is that oftentimes those kind of sequences especially early in the movie or in the pre-title sequence oftentimes they're just done for the sake of doing them and only peripherally matter to the plot whereas this was an integral part of the story and had a lot of cool action stuff going on. So I appreciated it both as a cool Bond action combination sequence, but also as a part that contributed to the story, to the movie.
1: Yeah, I did too. Uh, the interesting thing you said about the trailers, um, because I was like, I, like you, I was like, oh, that bit's from the trailer. This is the trailer stitched together. Mm-hmm. Jill had hardly seen any of the trailers, and I don't think she'd seen a trailer in probably nine months. I think she saw like when they first came out, but that was it. Um, she gasped at the motorcycle uh, stunt where he basically came up the ramp and over the wall. Oh, um, that was cool. Um and she just kept going, she, wow, that's one of the greatest motorcycle stunts and stuff. Uh, she still mm-hmm. wouldn't let, him, let me get a try and scrambler though. But um but uh, yeah, she was she uh, but she'd hardly seen any of the trailers. So she came away with I think a much more um immediate reaction to to that action sequence than I did. Because I'd say unfortunately I think they they filmed that I think really early. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know, and we'll probably we'll talk about the the, uh, the theme song in a minute. But I do know that when um, Billy Eilish and Phineas got the gig, that's the bit of the movie that they showed them oh. because it was complete. Mm-hmm. So they saw the you know the the, the uh, pre-title scene sequence and then they wrote the song based on that plus the script so you know i think that was filmed early which is why it was used a lot in the promotional work and the trailers so i think it unfortunately that sort of devalued it a bit but i still think it's a very very clever well done um, sequence
0: oh i I think as time goes by and this is no longer like the current movie but just one of the 25 that we look at occasionally i think that we're going to say oh man this is one of the best yeah sequ- best sequences of any of any of the bond movies. It's up there in the top several for me. absolutely.
1: Oh, definitely. yeah, I, I'm not taken away from it. I, I just think it was a bit of familiarity breed yeah. contempt. but you know uh, oh like, yeah yeah, okay. yeah
0: It loses a little bit of its oomph because we had seen it. it.'s It's really remarkable to consider how long ago some of this movie was made. I mean, yeah, it's just it's amazing to think that parts of this movie were probably done back in like what 19 or something.
1: 19 or 20, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Because by the by, March of 20 is when COVID really kind of hit in a big way and they kind of shut everything down. So surely yeah. they must have had most of it done in 2019 even. It's crazy yeah, to think about that.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, it's back, Those are back in those halcyon days when we were watching Avengers Endgame and the last Game of Thrones episode and, and all that uh-huh. stuff was going I, on. And the thing
1: and, is, I, I, I'm absolutely amazed that they kept most of the plot points quiet and secret. Yeah. Thought. Oh, yes,
0: yes. Yes, amazing. Yeah. Well, considering that Spectre's entire script was out there on the internet, like, before they even filmed it, this is this <laughs> yeah. is quite a reverse. Clearly, they did not have Mr. White protecting the script this time. <laughs> he protected the there Spectre is. script, but not this one, so. All right, well, so we get to our, you want to go to the to the title sequence for a minute? Yeah,
1: yeah, um, and talking about leaning in, I mean, as soon as those dot-to-no dots came on, I thought... Okay, this is nice, and you know we were, and I'm sure we'll do this when we get the DVD. You know we were playing spot the bits from the various <laughs> title sequences because, again, it was a nice homage to Daniel Craig's era, plus classic Bond, plus again Majesty's got a, you know, line in there. But you know there was Spectre, um, sorry, there was Casino Royale stuff, icons iconography in there. There was Skyfall stuff. Um, but it worked well. Um, I thought you know, it was way better than the, the tentacle porn one from the last one. Um, <laughs> so you know, I think Daniel Klein. And again, I, I, my understanding is from listening to uh, one of the podcasts that was out, the official podcast that was out before the movie came out, promotional ones, that uh, he, he designed that not having heard the theme song. Um, and the two of them actually worked together in terms of beats uh, and stuff really well. So uh, yeah. it, it seems pretty seamless. So if, if he really did put all that together and edit it, before he heard the song. I think that's, that's a brilliant piece of work or they wrote the song to that. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it worked really well and I think it worked well together. So where do, do you rank? Of, well, I am going to say, where do you rank this song? I like the song. Um, I like it as a song. Um, I like it. I think it's going to be a grower. Um, it's become an earworm. Um, I was just actually prepping a script for our no, no time to die. Um, movie soundtrack show, which we're going to record next week. Um, And going to bed last night, that theme song was just going through my head over and over and over again. I couldn't get rid of it. Um, But I I like it. Um, I'm not a huge Billie Eilish fan, but it's grown on me a lot. Um, There's some very interesting cover versions out there. Um, And I did actually see a, a video the other day that basically broke down the previous 24 songs to find out what makes a Bond song. And then whether Billie Eilish had actually adapted those things that make a Bond song a Bond song in her song. And she has. Um, basically, you know, the, you know, it has the orchestral stuff. It has the suspense motif. It has the Bond chord. It has this. It has that. So, you know, it has has the ingredients of a Bond song. I don't think it's a classic, but I do like it. And I like it as a song um, as well. So, unfortunately, as I say, I think with the fact that they wrote it only having seen the first part of the movie, it fits the first part of the movie really well lyrically but not necessarily where the movie ends up, if that makes sense.
0: Well, I, uh, I listened to it when they first released it, what, a year ago, year and a half ago a or something, a long time ago? year and a half ago, yeah. I listened to it once, and I thought, this is terrible. And then when it was in the movie, I was totally oblivious to it. So right mm-hmm. now, right now, Madonna is saving it from the bottom spot for me. <laughs>
1: okay. I do like also the fact that they use the motif and the melody throughout the movie as well. Which we haven't done in a long time.
0: I was totally oblivious to it. I just—I don't even know what the melody was. It just was utterly unmemorable and uncatchy, and there was nothing about Fair it. that appealed Feel to me. It
1: does seem to be a like it or loathe it. Yeah, I guess that I, movie. But
0: on the other hand, I've really gotten to where I um, really like. Sorry, the, I like
1: it or loathe that uh, theme song. So.
0: Yeah. I, I on the other hand, I've come around to where I really, really like the Spectre theme song, and I didn't at first but I had Mm -hmm. it kind of stuck in my head for a while. It's the one that was stuck in my head after I saw this movie rather than this movie song, which I don't know what that says, but anyway.
1: Okay. So So we're, we'll agree to to disagree. Sure.
0: Sure thing. So we get out of the opening credits and now we're really (laughs) properly into the movie. So, uh, what's up next?
1: Uh, that's good. I'm trying to remember what the transition (laughs) See that that's actually not a good thing because normally the transition from the credit sequence into the beginning of the plot is, Oh, I I know. It's the break in at um, the the lab, the bio lab. So where it starts Auburn off with, yeah, it's the viewpoint of London and the guys are coming down the front of repelling down the building. Oh yeah. And you see see the shot and they're like right, it's upside down and then it spins through one eighty and they come through the window. Which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, um and then you get the you get the the evil scientist who's, you know, in the I bio lab, who's a turncoat, I guess.
0: I know where they were going with him. That was interesting to me. That was something also I wanted to get your opinion about because I wasn't – the the whole – everything involving um, Abruchev, the scientist, mm-hmm. right, the Russian yeah. scientist, everything involving him, I kept thinking he was just going to be on the screen for a minute, and it kept – he kept popping up and dragging out, and I kept having to readjust my thinking that, oh, he's a more important part of this movie than I realized. But it never made him seem like he was a big – to me, they never – like, for example, he he in this movie is on about the same level as Alan Cummings in um, GoldenEye.
1: GoldenEye, yeah.
0: And yet we knew that that character – in GoldenEye was important and was going to be around for a little while and I never got that sense from the this guy was always just very anonymous even though he was m- pretty important to the plot and, and was in the
1: movie for, for, for a lot of the movie so maybe that was just me I don't know no I think you're right I think he was a little anonymous I mean he, thinking back his character really is the one that links the whole narrative thread together. exactly yeah he was really important um, um, but uh yeah, I don't know whether it was intended to be anonymous, you know, just the the, the guy in the background who nobody takes any notice of but you know, he actually does stuff. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, he does feel he did feel a bit anonymous, you're right. Though so I don't know whether it was an intentional thing, but I don't know if talking of Goldeneye, I think this was a real deep cut and it it may be me just projecting, but he was actually clicking on a silver parker pen. Um at the beginning, like the one in GoldenEye. Oh yeah, know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a golden eye pen and he was going click click maybe right, right. that's why i thought of that reference thing. That. <laughs> but uh again that that might be just me projecting something in there that wasn't but i thought that was fun no, um, no i didn't yeah i, didn't I mean it. and again i because he was so soft-spoken and that sometimes he you know him explaining you know the, the the exposition needed around the bio warfare didn't always carry over i think as to like well how come it's working here and not working there and yeah swapping this over and swapping that over um, you know there was a lot of like I was, card game shell game stuff and it was like, I was very
0: confused by all that I I got it later
1: yeah but as it was happening,
0: I was like, I really am lost. I don't know what's going on. But that happens in a lot of Bond movies, though. There's a lot of Bond movies where the first time that the evil scheme kind of gets laid out and plays out, you're, you're kind of like a step behind trying to figure out what's going on. You know, you and I have re- remarked many times that once you watch these movies two or three times on video or whatever, you start to figure out. the overall plot a lot better it's the first time you're just trying to keep up with everything honestly
1: yeah exactly yeah yeah so uh i i think he could have i think he could have been played a bit more bombastic like you said like the alan cummings character you might have keyed on keyed in on him a bit more
0: yeah yeah that was i think what i was getting he just was very very uh understated for a character that was that important and and that actually his plot would end up being like the major plot all the way to the end so yeah yeah, exactly that that was remarkable Okay, so we've got nanobot technology, interestingly enough, something I've used in a number of my books, which is interesting. I thought I was on top of that pretty quickly. And I was surprised to see it in a Bond movie. I just want to point out here, I find going into space on a space shuttle much more plausible than nanobots that kill specific people. But hey, I just am a, I'm a Moonraker fan. What do I know? <laughs> um, I'm told that Moonraker is unbelievable and yet and Bond going into space is unbelievable, but yet we are, we're fine with this. So, okay, whatever. Whatever, guys. Um, so uh, we also get uh, back to Bond in Jamaica if I recall correctly and we have right, Felix yeah. and so, all this uh,
1: yeah um, so it's interesting we get two time jumps in this movie too yes because we get the the initial one with Bond and uh, sorry with Safin and um, Madeline Madeline thank you when she's a young girl then we jump to Bond and Madeline um, together pre-credit and then right well, after
0: Spectre basically I got the sense yeah about, yeah about and a year we, after Spectre maybe
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, pretty much right after Spectre, but towards the end of Spectre. And then we get a jump, which is five years later, interestingly enough, to Mm -hmm. today when everything else happens. Um, So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we get Bond five years later, retired in Jamaica. Um, Lovely house in Jamaica, just hanging out. Um, And then the CIA come knocking um, or Felix comes knocking, asking him to uh, to help them track down. I keep wanting to say Oroboth, but that was the guy from Goldeneye.
0: Um, (laughs) And by the way, this makes the third appearance for this Felix, making him the only Felix to appear in three Bond movies. Yeah. He's the only one. Jeffrey Wright is the only three-time Felix. He's the Felix champion.
1: Yeah, and it was good good that that we did actually, you know, if if the Craig one is going to be a continuous story, it was good that we actually did do that. The same, yeah. The same, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, and we get was it Logan the uh, the C- they introduced Logan the CIA yeah Logan Ash as well. yeah. Logan Ash yeah it was pretty obvious from like right up front that he was going to be a bad guy or yeah he's there's always he, it was
0: you don't give that much dialogue and airtime to somebody if they're not going to matter right and yeah. how else could he matter other than being like a secret double agent or something agent so. or
1: something like that yeah so um, but I'm j- I have mixed feelings about the, the these Jamaica scenes. Um I thought, you know, Bond being retired was good. Um the bit where he was walking down the beach and he saw the the cig, cigar ash um and it was like, okay, you know, Felix is he knows it's and then he sees it's a Delectala, which uh, again is um a Dino of another day reference. Um so I thought that that was fun. Uh, that was another elbow nudging moment for Jill and I. We were both there uh, nice. recognized the the, uh, the cigars. So that that I thought that was that was fun that he knew it was Felix, um, you know, and them fo- following him into town and stuff was good. Um, what did you think of this start of it before we talk about Nomi?
0: Yeah, no, something? I, um, this is a lot of stuff I didn't get, but again, it's stuff that when we go back and watch it over and over later, because like when I saw him see the ash, that didn't tell me, oh, he knows Felix is here. That made me think, well, why is he looking at this ash? So I mean, you know, there were a lot of things there that when we once again, now that I know that's why he did it, why he was why he took notice of it, it'll make more sense later. But right. but yeah, I know I did enjoy this isn't the first time that we've seen Bond kind of like on a beach somewhere not wanting to be James Bond anymore. This is a recurring theme for Daniel Craig's Bond, is that he when right, soon, yeah. <laughs> when when things get tough, he hits the beach, and let me just say, I'm there with him. I would be the same way if I were able to. So, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It was nice. Um, so they head into te- um, town, and that's where sort of Nomi enters the scene. Our new 007. Our new 00, yes, yes, yeah. Um, so she, what she, if I remember rightly, she disables his jeep, so he has to get a lift on the back of her scooter. Yeah. Then, and she miraculously, because he never tells her where to go, but she turns up back at his house. Um, and then, um, yeah, she takes off the takes off the wig again. I don't know if that was a Rosie Carver from Live and Let Die reference <laughs> or what. Um, maybe one. I'm projecting way too many of these references in there.
0: But, I just uh, think of her as Monica Rambeau's mom. That's who yeah, Sean Lynch yeah. will always be. Monica's, <laughs> Monica's mom from Captain um, Marvel.
1: Yeah, I noticed in the trailers they'd very cleverly clipped the... Um, some of the dialogue. So they didn't say she was going to be 007 in the trailers, even though she'd said it in various um, articles. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, one of the books that I got on one of the previous release dates that came out and then it was like, Oh, we're p- postponing the movie, but that has no time to die stuff in it actually has it down as 003. Oh, um, so I don't know whether they changed that or that was in the book, a mistake or the, or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, um, she's, she's in that as uh, 003. Um, interesting. I thought it was an int- I, th- I thought it was an interesting intro apart from the fact that it revealed that she was 007. I thought that could have been much better rather than her just saying, "Oh, by the way." Yeah. It didn't have any it had no impact to me.
0: Yeah, I think that maybe when they originally recorded when they originally did it, it was with people them thinking nobody would know going in and so just saying it would be like a shock. But since we all kind of knew that that was coming, we kind of needed the reveal to be at least a little more dramatic.
1: And I, I think they could have done, you know, the bit when they did, I think they could have played with that bit where M says, where's 007? And then they cut to Bond on retirement in Jamaica. I think they should have done, where's 007? And they cut to Nomi. Yeah, yeah. I think it would have been a much better way of doing the reveal than her just going, oh, by the way. Yeah, i no just you're any right. 00, I'm 007. 100%. The other thing, and I said this actually on one of the other podcasts, sorry, this is not my first review podcast on this movie. <laughs> I, I have done another one. I'm sorry, Van. Um, I said this on the Earth Station one review that I did. Um, there was nothing, and this applies throughout the movie, I think Lashana Lynch did a great job with what she was given. Um, I love some of the dialogue. I love some of the interactions. But there was nothing in there that made me go, oh my god, yes, she's a double 00. Hmm. There was no Cool signature action moment or anything that made me think. Ne- ne- never mind 007. There was nothing in there that. Made, mm. Yes, she was a good spy. She was a good agent. You know, but there was nothing in there that, to me, put her in that that top echelon. Yeah. Of becoming a double that made me think. Yes, she's good enough to be a Double Yeah. Um,
0: fair enough. Yeah. And
1: and that's not you know I'm not getting you know that's not a dig at Lashana Lynch or anything. I I don't. Maybe it was there was nothing in the script or right stuff got cut. I don't know, but. Like I said, I didn't get that a wow moment with, from her character at any point. She, For me,
0: she didn't have enough to do to really ever make that big of a splash. I mean, she got a. Right. She, her, her, her impact in the movie was limited to hey, guess what? I'm 007 and I'm kind of a smart aleck to you at first. Okay, now I kind of respect you more. You can have 007 back and here's a couple of cool action scenes, and that was pretty much it. And I think in part it was because there were so many characters in this movie and so many different pieces of the plot line all going in different directions that she just never really had the opportunity to do much. I mean, right. compare I'll, I'll... Uh, compare her to Wei Lin in mm-hmm. Tomorrow Never Dies. You know, M- Michelle Yeoh got to do tons of stuff to make a huge right. impression. Lashana Lynch just never had that much of an opportunity, honestly, in
1: this movie. She didn't, and... Um... As much as I liked Ana de Amez as Paloma, mm-hmm. they should have given that sequence to Lashana Lynch. Oh, sure. hundred percent. Because if she'd gone through that and done that amount of action and stuff and, and been that, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Impressive in the action sequence and stuff. I'd have gone, yeah, yeah I can see her as a double O.
0: I, I didn't even understand why Paloma
1: was in the movie. Cause no, I'm like, I am mean, it was a cool sequence. but Yeah.
0: I, I mean, she was great. And it was a cool sequence, and then it was do- over. And and I mean, she was about like the, I mean, she reminded me of the again in uh, in Moonraker the um, the the young lady in Rio that Jaws chases around. You know, she yeah. shows up, she does an action scene, and that's it; she's gone.
1: You're right. I just yeah, and, and like I said, I think if they'd given that sequence to the yeah. Mummy character, it would have added a lot more to to her as as a viable double O agent.
0: That's what I'm saying. They, that to me, they just had too many characters each trying to get in a little bit and you just needed yeah. to maybe give some of those little bits to somebody else and make them a little beefier. Yeah. Right. I a hundred percent agree with you there. Yeah. Again. And, and you're right. I mean, she was great and I'm glad I saw that sequence, but it just felt out of place. It felt like it was from another movie where she was important.
1: Right. So, yeah, so where does that take us? So we go to Jamaica. He agrees. Tells them to go to Cuba. We get the Paloma thing. Do you want to talk any more about the Paloma? Not really, unless you have anything no. else. No. I mean, like I said, I thought Anna Damiesta's great. She was good. It was a good. It was a good fun sequence. Um, I know I've seen quite a few people say, oh, she should have been in it more. I was actually quite happy with the in-out does a thing and go. And in retrospect, I yeah. actually, I think she shouldn't have been
0: in it at all. That's, um, I think. that's kind of what I'm thinking. She was the lady from knives out, right? The, the maid yeah. or whatever. Yeah. The house? Yeah. The, not the, well, the, the medical keeper for the rich guy. Yeah. 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 I never would have guessed in a million years. Cause when they glam them all up for, to be a bond girl and do action scenes, <laughs> I would like, I was like, wait, that was the, that was that lady from knives out. Really? I had yeah. no, no
1: idea. How yeah. about that? Yeah. Um, but then, so Bond ends up with the scientist um, and flies him out to the CIA yacht or whatever, not yacht, fishing boat yeah. off the Cuban coast uh, to meet with Felix. Yeah, is that where we went next?
0: I believe we're. I'm. I'm. I'm waiting for the
1: Blofeld's birthday party thing or whatever it was. Oh, was that before? I'm not before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was the Cuba thing, wasn't it? That's why they're in Cuba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. birthday party. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I knew there was something more important.
0: We're we're just groping our way through this. It's fine. (laughs) We we haven't got it on video yet, so we haven't gotten to make a complete outline like we normally do. So our audience will bear with us that we're just trying to you know do it all from memory. So
1: yeah. So when they're in Cuba, they do the it's Blifil's birthday party. You're right. Um, Which. Again, it's supposed to be a trap just to get Bond there to kill Bond with the nano yeah. mist. Yeah. Um, but our favourite scientist has switched it so it targets people. It doesn't target Bond, but it targets members of Spectre. Yeah.
0: I was so confused at this part.
1: Except Cyclops, right? Who is a member of Spectre, but for some reason doesn't isn't affected. And I can only think that's because Safin wanted to recruit him later.
0: Oh yeah. But, um. Or maybe he was a double agent the whole
1: time or something. Well, or maybe know. he was a double... Well, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah.
0: But, so. yeah, I was so confused because the light, the spotlight shines on Bond, right, or something, and everybody moves away from him, and you're like, oh, it's just like Inspector and Quantum of Solace again, and then all of a sudden people start dying, and I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I was so confused yeah. at this part.
1: Yeah. So that actually raises a question that I had. Uh, if Safin had a, this... Vendetta against Spectre, like Mr. White and Spectre from the mm-hmm. age of whatever he was when his parents were killed, um, you know, whatever he was, 18, 20, whatever, right at the beginning of the movie. Wouldn't he have been killing them off on an, over the last five, however many years it was, five, 10 years, 15 years, whatever it is? And then once MI6 knew about Spectre and started investigating Spectre, wouldn't they have noticed this trend that members of Spectre were dying off here and there? And they had basically an unseen ally, that Safin was an unseen ally. And I think they could have done a real good thing, a interesting thing about ha- having Safin be an unseen ally and going through the do we actually work with this guy who is Dismantle Inspector?
0: Mm, interesting.
1: Up to, up to a point when he then becomes, he takes his technology and opens it up to a wider bidder, you know, and starts threatening lar- larger populations mm. beyond just Spectre. But up until that point, surely he's an ally of MI6. Yeah. And they would be trying to bring him on board. And
0: Well, but they didn't even know who Spectre was for the longest time, right? No, they- but
1: once they knew who Spectre was, they've had five years of knowing who yeah. Spectre was, and they would be doing research on it. That's Wouldn't true. they notice a trend of somebody was? or did Safin not bother? He killed Mr. Mr. White's wife and then didn't bother again for 15 years yeah. and then decided to kill everybody at one event, which makes less sense to me than, in fact, that he would be sit- right. killing them on and off during – So. I just thought it was a missed opportunity with the villain um, to, to make it a bit more interesting um, yeah. by having him as, like I say, an unseen ally that then goes too far. So
0: Yeah. Now, we have questions about Safin, but I don't think we're ever going to get answers. So there we are. No.
1: No. So, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with the other one here. The thing that really bugged me, the bionic mm. eye. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a fun idea. Um, I think my problem was the word that they kept calling it a bionic eye. Because being such a huge six million dollar man, bionic woman, bionics geek, that when, whenever, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what they whenever do. they said the phrase bionic I it threw me out of the movie. Yeah, you know, if they'd have said augmented prosthetic, optical prosthetic, or something else, I'd have been fine. Right. But to call it, a, use that word bionic, it's like that's a completely different franchise. It just. It's a different thing. It just threw me out of the movie momentarily. Yeah. Maybe it's me just being a geek, but
0: no, I I think you're absolutely right because I I caught it. I mean, I it, it's obviously where my brain went too, and I was kept thinking, wait, are they? Can they? Because you know, the Godzilla franchise used that word for the bionic monster and got sued and had to change into to Godzilla. Yeah. So I was surprised that they could do it.
1: Right, but it sort of has become part of the everyday language. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm sure that Toho Films feels really well about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got sued for it. Now Bond is using
1: it. So, but uh, uh, anyway. I thought I thought the concept was was a little weird and fun. But uh, yeah, I, I like the idea that basically Blofeld was controlling things from within his cell from a distance. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah, absolutely. That was cool. That I mean, you knew that. If he's not having himself broken out, then he's just running things from in there. He's basically like right. the Joker or something, you know. Now at this yeah,
1: point, yeah, yeah. you know, the Italian job, Charlie Croker, in the the original Italian job, the Mister Cro- you mm. know, the mastermind who's in prison, but basically his criminal empire still operates and he yeah. manages it from prison. Yeah, um, I thought I thought that was neat. So
0: now do we get the uh, the, the whole double agent Ash? Killing yeah. Felix in the water, all that? Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. So we get to that bit, yeah. Again, so what I do you was, think about the death of Felix?
0: Well, again, I was kind of confused in this scene at first, um, not exactly understanding what all was going on. Again, every, everything involving Obrichev, uh, the Russian scientist, everything involving him was confusing me through most of the movie, and it didn't really kind of fall into place until the end. Thank goodness, because the end wouldn't have worked for me if I hadn't understood at the end. But... um I guess if you're gonna kill off Bond at the end, you might as well take Felix out first to give him motivation. It's that classic, you know. It's like, you know, you kill. It's like in the Avengers, they kill uh, Coulson to motivate the Avengers to go yeah. fight Loki and yeah. everything. I mean, yeah. Bond, if Bond sees his good buddy Felix dead, he's gonna be like, "Oh, I'm ready to go kick some butt now, man." You can't kill Felix, so I, I wasn't surprised about that. But um,
1: yeah. I like the way they did it. Um, I thought it was, you know. I like the dialogue between the two of them, um, yeah. Particularly the the thing about when he made the crack about, you know, this reminds me of the shrimp boats of my childhood. And he's like, "You're from Milwaukee or whatever <laughs> it was. I thought, <laughs> I, I thought that was good. Um, and then I was, was I was glad
0: that. that we actually saw Bond be upset about it for a few seconds yeah, after the yeah, scene. Yeah. If they had just gone straight into the next scene, I'd have been like, "Come on, it's Felix. You got to.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm glad they did that. And um, obviously, not quite as upset as he was in uh, License to Kill, but uh, you know i'm glad it had some emotion and they, they referenced it again as well you know a couple more times that he yeah he, uh, you know he referenced it with with them and then he obviously when he killed the logan Ash, he references it as well so i thought that was it was good it wasn't just a you know I, they treated it with way more respect than they did with the mathis one in in quantum
0: so, yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah so um uh, Bond goes to prison to visit uh, Blofeld? Well
1: no, Bond goes to MI6 first. There's the scene where he walks in and has to get a visitor's badge because the guy on the door yes. doesn't
0: know who he is. <laughs> oh man. So Which is kind of like, it's. this is just like classic for you and me because we remarked so much on how everybody knew who James Bond was in Diamonds Are Forever. James right. Bond! You killed yeah, James yeah. Bond! And now dude doesn't even know who he is standing right in front of him. So we really have come full circle in the old secret agent is not secret uh, he was not secret before because he was a celebrity. Now he's not secret because nobody cares
1: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. The guy on the, who's obviously, you know, become the MI6 receptionist at some point in the last five years. He's got no idea who he is. No right? idea. So, no clue. You know, he's walking around with a visitor's badge on. Um, that would, yeah. and, and again, I liked some of the, you know, I liked the dialogue between him and Nomi, um, you know, mm-hmm. her pretending not to care about the number, but really did. Um, I loved the, you know, he's been arrogant and she makes that remark to Money Penny about, um, you know, I can see why you shot him, and, and he says, "Well, everybody, everybody has at least one go." Um, I thought that was <laughs> that, that was, was really,
0: Again, I felt the the touch of uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge there.
1: Yeah, I think that was it, and I, I, I think Phoebe Waller Bridge was definitely the the desk dialogue um, with him and Em. It's like when he yeah. goes back into M's office. Is this what is it? Has the desk got bigger, or have you got smaller? Yeah, that was good. And then he has the argument with, with M and walks out and says, no, the desk is definitely the same size.
0: Yeah, that um, was really, really good. Absolutely. So, yeah,
1: yeah. So I thought that interchange was good. Um, so I like that setup. Um, and I'm not sure, if is this the point where he went to Q's flat afterwards as well? It's
0: c- close enough, yeah. And poor Q. We actually get to spend a little bit of time with Q in his private life, which, yeah, okay, I guess. I mean... That's fine. I, we we never really spent much time with Q's private life. Any of the other Qs, I don't know why we had to this time, but we did, and that's fine. He's, ben Wishaw is fun. He'd make a yeah. good Doctor Who, you know. That's fine. I I judge my wacky British actors by would they make a good Doctor Who or not, and he's on a he's about an eight on my he'd make a good Doctor <laughs> Who scale. So along with Eddie Redmayne, he's the other one that would up on the right. Yeah, he would nine. make a
1: good Doctor. You're right. I hadn't thought yeah. of that, but yes, he would. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a cute scene. Um, you know with him and again seeing it the second time i started to notice that you know like he had the plans for that glider on the wall in his his (laughs) apartment and you know there was things there that sort of tied in later in the movie that you know he was obviously working at home i I like the you know um they sort of answered one of the criticisms from um, Skyfall about him plugging in, taking a piece of, you know, um, a hard drive and just plugging it straight into the network. And this one is like, oh, hang on a minute. I need to put it in an isolated machine. I thought, ah, you've listened. I thought that was nice. Um, he has so learned. He learned. Um yeah, that was good. Um, we, Jill and I did have an argument over the cats because we were like, oh, sure, he said in the previous movie he had two cats, but there was only one in that. But we did, second time we watched it, it's like, oh, yeah, there is two cats. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, um, yeah, I remember that, yeah. you know, I, I like Bond's remark about, you know, these these things come with fur these days. I thought that was funny. <laughs> hey,
0: I've got a question for you. So, okay, yeah. so we've had this sense that they're going to kind of reboot everything with Bond mm-hmm. 26. But you you and I both know that every time we've ever changed bonds, they've never changed every supporting actor. They always right. carry at least one over. Do you think any of these folks are going to be around for the next one, or are they going to completely start over? What do you think? Because we don't know. But what do you think? I don't
1: know. I I hope they start com- with a complete blank slate and reboot everything. Um, I, th- I think as much as Judy Dench was great, I think it was a mistake having a carry her over from the Brosnan to the Craig era. Um, even though she was playing two completely separate characters yeah. um, with different names, um, both M but different names, that, that was a bit obscure for most people to pick up. Um, so I hope they don't. But, uh, but if they do decide, I, I do like this Scooby gang. I think they, you know, I think, um, um, again, I'm not getting at LaShana Lynch, but at the end, I'm jumping right to the very end, she seemed out of place. With the rest of them when they were doing yeah. their eulogies, because they, they, they've got that chemistry. And
0: yeah, they've she, been around for a long time. She for felt sure. felt
1: like an interloper. Yeah. Um I mean, they've only done three out of the five movies, but it seems like they've been there all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and by the way, talking to Judy Dench, this is the first movie I read. Saw this fact the other day. This is the first movie in thir- first Bond movie in thirty-two years which Judy Dench was not a part of. Was she Inspector? On the videotape, yeah. Oh gosh! wow so
0: it goes all the way back to before goldeneye
1: to goldeneye yeah ninety nine that was Gold- yeah, ninety five
0: yeah. yeah Whew, holy cow Is so 32 years? so license to kill was the last one before this that didn't have her at some point right yeah wow yeah holy yeah.
1: cow all right all right anyway um yeah so i i, I enjoyed the his visit to to m i six um stuff um that's it, and then he somebody says something about only one Blofeld only allows one person to go see him, and then when he goes to um, Q's apartment, he finds out that that one person is Madeline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he meets—I may be getting this wrong—but then he goes meets M on on the embankment and starts talking talking to M about what's going on. And M's like, "How do you know?" And then M realizes that the rest of the gang are in with it, and just I like that thing that M just goes, "Oh fuck it," because he remember, he realizes <laughs> that Q and Money Penny and Tanner are all. Um, and then they turn up at the office and q's trying to pretend he hasn't seen bond in like five years Nems like come off it i know he's staying at your place yeah i like (laughs) that so
0: that's good good stuff yeah yeah so is this when we go see blofeld finally
1: oh before that that's when just before that is when safin turns up at madeline's office wow i'm blanked out on that one so when we find out madeline so we find out madeline is in london and is working as a psychiatrist and she's the only one that Blofell can go see. And you see a shot of her walk. And again, I'm stretching here, but you see a, a, a shot of her walking across the street in London with the horse host guards coming down the road. Okay. scene seen a Royal 67 yeah. reference. Um, no wonder <laughs> no I didn't get it. This time. Um, and then she goes into her office and Saffin's there, but she doesn't recognize him. And they're talking about, he starts talking about plants and his father had a garden of poisonous plants and how it was stuff. And then he starts talking about how he's not very good with talking about things, but he finds objects are the best way to remember things. And he gives her the box and she opens it and it's got the shattered no mask in it. Then she knows who he is. And then he gives her the perfume spray Mm -hmm. that's fatal to Blofeld, but he wants her to wear it because it will kill Blofeld when she next goes see him. Right. And then we get to the point where She's in the bathroom trying to decide whether to put it on or not. Nomi walks in, and then she puts the spray on. Then they go to the prison, and she meets Bond and at the prison. And Bond touches her, therefore he gets it on. So when he goes, gets mad and touches Blofeld, tries to strangle Blofeld. Blofeld dies from the poison. Yeah, I think I got that right.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That that, by the way, was another one that seemed a little contrived to me. I know they had to have Bond touch Blofeld, and you needed a reason. And so the reason was he's mad, he attacks him. But I'm like, okay, at the time he was doing that, I'm like, why is he doing this? He has to have some ulterior motive, and he didn't. But the writers had an ulterior motive, which is worse.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: I don't like when plot makes people do things that are not in character, and and I don't know if it was not in character so much as just I don't feel like Daniel Craig sold it to me that he was doing that spontaneously. So I kept thinking he was. That he had an agenda for doing it, but it wasn't that. It was like you said; it was the plot had an agenda for him doing that. So I'm not. That a was big that fan
1: was a we have we have to move this from point A to point B. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, that wasn't the that wasn't the strongest moment in the movie. In other words, no, no.
1: It wasn't I bad. Tanner's it wasn't. reaction. I I, I thought um, Roy Kinnear um, played Tanner's reaction really well. I think he yeah. did better than Craig in that scene. Actually, yes. So yeah, yeah. Um, it
0: wasn't terrible.
1: It just when when
0: i'm watching a especially a bond movie when i'm watching a bond movie and i stop and ask myself why did they do that that's usually not good yeah usually yeah. you should be like oh of course bond does that instead of wait what so yeah right. but but it made sense. again it had, it had to happen it made sense later so yeah you know
1: but when she's walking out she says she's going he says where are you going she says she's going home mm-hmm. um, um and then they ask him where she's going and he's like i don't know and then we see him. Oh, of course! What we didn't we didn't talk about is when he first got back to London, the Aston Martin. Oh yeah. The 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 VA, um, the Vantage, the the Living Daylights car, which um, yeah, I thought was cool. And again, that seemed more organic because, like, when they did the DB five reveal in Skyfall, it was like they threw open the door and there's a gleaming DB five that's all polished and nice and stuff. Mm-hmm. And in this one, he basically went to a lockup the storage cabin and there was a dust cover and he pulls off and then you got the horrible, you know, dust flies everywhere. And the, DB, you know, the, the, the Aston Martins underneath it. Um, and you know, you can see there's like suits and stuff hung up and, you know, yeah. in, um, so it, 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 again, it made more sense to me. It was more organic. Yes. And, you know, so absolutely. Yeah. And it was good to see that car again, because I like playing with that car. So. <laughs> of course. So
0: where are we now? We've got, uh, um blofeld dead yeah so we're we're pretty much cleaning the slate one by one here in this movie we've lost uh we've lost uh felix and we've lost blofeld i mean yeah that's two of the bigger historic bond characters yeah you know what's coming um so and by yeah, it's the way like was doing
1: it, a camp, it was like doing a camp damn, wasn't it
0: <laughs> yes it really was i was gonna ask you this in the book on her majesty's secret service isn't there, like, a poison garden in that, but it's Blofeld and not somebody else? Yeah, yeah,
1: so we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the end. Okay. Yes. Yeah, okay. it's not a Majesty secret service, but we'll talk about it. when.
0: Oh, we? it's uh, You Only Live Twice. Yeah, of course, Japan. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Which is kind of where we um, end up, yeah. So, Norway, Return yeah. to Norway. Yeah, yeah, he he drives up to the house in Norway, um, where we get the reveal that of Matilde. <laughs>
0: Matilde. I never did understand what her name was until I finally saw it
1: written down. Like, what's her name? But that's interesting. And of course you know as soon as she says he's not she's not yours, you know she is.
0: So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. As I saw as soon as I saw her, I mean I'm like, okay, A, I was right about her being pregnant. B, that's totally Bond's kid, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, they cast that well actually cuz she did actually look the part.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she was fine. Yeah. And he, and was you, decent enough of an actress for her side. Yeah, right, she so. was
1: a good act, good actress, yeah. Mm. Yeah, she she played the part very well. So. Um
0: Alright, so in my notes here in my head, it basically says carnage, chaos, moving toward the ending. So, I don't, I'm don't, i not going to be a whole lot of help here in terms of what all happens until the big finish. So, Okay, um,
1: so this is where we get the car chase and the fight in the forest, which I really liked. For me, this was my favorite action sequence of the movie.
0: Alright, walk us through that then, because I have not very much memory of that.
1: So, they realized that because, oh, hang on, I have to take a step back. So Bond had said to know me, if you want to find out what's going, find Logan Ash. And okay. Bond realizes that because he, he calls, up, calls Q or something and says, lets them know where we are. And he said, why are you tracking me, not Logan Ash? And I'm like, no, we are tracking Logan Ash. So he realizes Logan Ash is on the way to the house.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So he puts um, yeah. Madeline and Matilda in the car and they head out. He passes a couple of Range Rovers that then do a U-turn and start chasing them, and he realizes that, right. they've been spotted. So he gets off the road and goes into the forest. Um, what I like about that is using that uh, Toyota, um, whatever it was, um, SUV. You know, it's, it's a regular car, and he uses the car as a weapon. I mean, he uses it to drive one of the other Range Rovers up the road. Yeah, he does and stuff. So it flips over the top. Um, you know, and then they pull off into the forest and they abandon the car. Um, and then he uses things like. The lot. I love the fact he uses the the natural terrain as traps. Like he uses the log to tip one of the Range Rovers over. Then mm-hmm. uses the the cable from the Range Rover to get to the guys with the bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's um, you know we're swapping out guns um, as he finds them um, and he hides Mathilde and Madeline in like a logger's hut. Tells them to stay there. Yeah. Um, and then while he's out fighting. Safin arrives and finds them in the loggers hut and takes them and disappears. Um, and then it's during this that also um, he kills Logan Ash because he the car gets flipped. He gets thrown out of the car. The oh, car's yeah, on top of him.
0: yes! Comes back yeah. to me that he, yeah, he's trapped and he's like lets yeah. the car roll. Oh, that was that was a hardcore. That was like in uh, for your eyes only, with kicking yeah, the, yeah. Off the cliff. Yeah, and
1: he's, that's when he makes the other Felix license reference because Logan Ash calls him brother and he says, no, I had a brother. His name was Felix Liger and then he slams oh, the car down on him. Yeah, beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was my favorite action sequence. And I actually want to talk a bit about the action sequences um, mm-hmm. and the length of the movie. I felt the movie was about. 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes too long. Yeah. Um, I don't think there was one 15 minute segment that you could have cut, but I think each of the action sequences was a bit too long. You could have cut two or three minutes, a couple of stunts out of each of the action sequences, and I think it wouldn't have lost anything. It would have tightened up the action sequences and actually made the movie a little tighter as well. Um, yeah. What did you feel about the length of the, the movie?
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I thought that it, um, I was shocked at how long it was. And um, and I agree that I wouldn't want to take one whole thing out. I think yeah, you can spread it around and a little bit here and a little bit there. I will say this about that action scene though, um, it reminded me of an action scene in Spectre, but the one in Spectre felt tacked on to a degree, whereas this, which was, I guess was in the same area, right? Whereas this one felt like more again part of that, that's that's my observation throughout this movie is that a lot of the stuff in the last couple of Bond movies felt like it was done for the sake of doing it, whereas these kind of things in this movie felt like they were integral to the plot. You said it was organic, and I think that's exactly right, that the the action scenes in this movie in particular felt like organic parts of the story that needed to happen and weren't just, hey, it would be cool if we had a car chase here or something you know
1: right are you thinking thinking of the plane versus the yeah the, that whole the cars business the plane? Yeah, yeah yeah that made no yeah it didn't didn't fit with the plot at all really right here, i think it did yeah um you know but and there, again it was a setup to get madeline uh, and matil captured but um you know it worked within the it worked within the story uh, yes exactly yeah, for the most
0: part, their contrived plot points worked in this movie. <laughs> just a couple yeah. of times we've mentioned that we kind of go, wait a minute. But yeah, in, in other movies, it's been several. So this was a this was a nice improvement. And that's, that's one of the things I grade a Bond movie on at the end is, did it make sense? Was it believable or was the whole thing just an excuse to blow some stuff up and chase some cars around or something? And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But this one got a very high score for me. And things happen for a reason that was a believable right. logical reason.
1: Yeah. Actually, I want to go back to the stuff in finding them in the, in the logging hut. So the second time we went to see it, there wasn't that many people. So we saw it out the first show on opening day and it was fairly full. The second, we went again the following day and there was, wasn't quite probably half full, but and the row behind us was uh, a, a row of uh, old, old, older ladies. Let's put it that way. Who were clearly not bond aficionados <laughs> um, <laughs> um, from some of the comments. Um, and we got really, really invested in the movie. So that shot in the movie where they're, they're hiding in the logger's site and you hear, a, you see a, a figure t- coming up and you're expecting it to be Bond and it turns out to be Safin. Yeah. The ladies behind us all gave collective gasps of, oh, no. <laughs> uh, it was lovely. It was great to hear. Nice. So,
0: yeah. yeah. I think we saw so, it with a group of older folks, too, because Mira and I, Saw it on Friday that she had, oh yeah, yeah, that was it. She Mira got out of school at like 11 o'clock in the morning because our school randomly just does that for some unknown reason. And so I picked her up and we went straight up and we saw it that afternoon. And it was us and some some of the like retirees and all. And so <laughs> it was interesting. The, the reactions were, yeah, like you say, it was kind of a similar thing there.
1: Actually, just going on that, so when we went to the first show on opening day, um, which was, you know, 11 o'clock on whatever it was, Friday, Thursday, Friday, Friday morning, um, again, there was a bunch of uh, retirees and because it was the first show, the movie theater wasn't actually open when we got there. So there was a bunch of us waiting outside for for them to open the doors, got chatting. And probably I would say 60% of the folks we spoke to, that was the first time that they'd gone back to the theater since the pandemic. They were coming back for bond. Wow. I thought that was, that was cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That'd bring them back. Anything would for sure.
1: All right. So we've got the bad guy has the good guy's family. Um, and, Q has some new gadgets, yep, and they're on a big plane. <laughs> there
0: we go, so. and this there is the go. glider thing, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and this is where we get the Nomi saying, "Yeah, he can have his 007 number back." Which, again, they never really play. It's like, so what? They're in the middle of an operation. Like that's a, like that's important, you know? <sighs> I appreciated it. I mean, I was like, no, when it happened in the movie,
0: because again, I've heard people you know, mentioning on social media and stuff, and I'm like, I. It, it, My problem with a lot of the Nomi stuff is it wasn't earned, right? It was tacked in, added on. But that being said, once you accept that she was who she was and doing what she was doing, it made sense to me that once she gained a little respect for him and actually got to know him a little bit and care, then she would feel like it was a nice gesture before they go into what could be a fatal confrontation to to let him have his
1: number back. I thought that was fine. I didn't have a problem with that at all. I don't know what people are talking about. I take your point. All right. It just felt a bit hollow to me. But
0: well, yeah, it's because again, it, it didn't it wasn't earned sufficiently. We had to kind of in our heads go. I guess this is why this is happening because right. they didn't show it. They needed a couple. of – And again, we don't want to add more links to the movie, but maybe just a couple of words between them more than we got. Where or maybe she says to to uh, moneypenny or something. Well, he's not so bad, you know. Or just something to indicate she was warming up to him a little bit would have helped. I yeah. think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we get the glider. Uh, I do, did like the line and again it was spoilt by, you know, being in all the trailers about trailer. have you flown one of these before? And it's like, nope. So, right. But, right. Yeah. So and yeah, I thought that was cool. I thought the, the glider and then the underwater stuff. Um I like the idea of them using an, an abandoned um Mr. Russian submarine pen on an island between Japan and Russia. Again, uh, that didn't really come out that clearly to start with. It sort of came out later as to where it was. Yeah. Um, um but then we you know, we get to meet Safin, and he's decided to set up there um, where his father's um, Garden of Death was.
0: Well, two things. A, I was hoping it was going to involve Japan, because by this point I was thinking we're pretty much we're combining Honor of Majesty's Secret Service with You Only Live Twice. And I'm like, okay, right. so it's got to involve Japan. It's got to involve Japan. And I was happy when it did. And also, I thought the... I love a Bond villain having an abandoned missile base as a Mm -hmm. headquarters lair. I mean, that's, that's perfect. That's Connery level awesomeness. And we haven't had that in a while. I hated the, I hated Mendez's volcanic crater or whatever it was. It was a meteor crater. That was terrible. You couldn't tell it was a crater and it was too big. Not to re litigate Spectre, but this was just, this really worked well as where I would expect a Bond supervillain to be holed up.
1: Yeah, I liked it too because it's like repurposing something. <laughs> I and mean, it's not like Spectre; they go build something. He was like repurposing something, right, but it, right. was, but it, but it had that feel to it. I thought that was really cool. Uh, I liked it. Um, and and uh, I actually also liked the fact that once they got in, the technology didn't work because if you've ever done, I, I've done some research around the the, the uh, Nazi U boat pens that are in uh, in France that remain, you know, and those things were built so thick that. Bombs couldn't get through them and radio radar waves couldn't get through them and stuff. So it sort of played with that. It's like, okay, yeah, that, that sort of fits with, you know, how technology would actually react in one of those places. You just can't get a signal in and out. So I, I yeah. thought that was, that was cool. Um, and as you said, really what they were doing was setting up what is the end of you want to live twice the novel where Blofeld has his, um, his layer is in a, a castle on a cliffside in Japan. And he, it's protected by a garden of death of poisonous plants. Um, so I liked, I liked that. Um, and the, the way they set that up. Um, mm-hmm. Wasn't quite sure what was going on with them hanging that big Monet on the wall when at the side is like, were they trying to say that he'd stolen the Monet? was that I a have no, Dr. Idea. no throwback or something. Yeah. There you go. Um, you know, yeah. stolen a famous painting or something. I wasn't quite sure with that. There was so. some Dr. No in this too.
0: I have to admit. He had yeah. more of a doctor no feel than anybody else to me.
1: He did, yeah, with the slicked back hair and the the, the very stiff delivery and the stuff. understated,
0: so, and, yeah, and everything. Yeah, he, the
1: understated delivery, which which I found, I I know some people I've spoken to felt that was very weak. Um, I actually thought it was great. I liked, yeah. I liked the I I prefer the quiet menace to the moustache twirling villains. Sure. Um, so I I think he did a a good job with what he, again, with what he'd been given. So
0: no, I agree. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So you said you had thoughts about the ending. Do you want to? Well, um, no. I. Th- we,
0: well, are we are we to the ending, or is there anything else we want to cover? Because we have well, quite an extended running around the base stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, we have extended of, running
1: around the base. Then we have uh, Nomi then setting the charges. Then we have Nomi killing Doctor. What's his name? Ar- um, Jev. Oh, Brechef, yeah, yeah, the Russian guy, um, in a contrived way, just so they can get the name of the movie into the dialogue. <laughs>
0: that's all. That's a that's a Bond that has to happen though. Uh, a completely illogical way of throwing the movie. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's just going to happen. The one time, I guess, the one time reason they didn't have to worry about it was Spectre, right? I mean, yeah. kind of solves its own problem. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, they. Um, I was never quite sure what was actually in that pool that the people were gardening and cuz you know they were in their protective suits but when the guard fell in and when obridge fell in they got dissolved so i don't know was it acid or was well, it, it was, the nanobots was it, i think
0: it was supposed to be the nanobots being bred or whatever but yet oh was it okay i, I think didn't,
1: yeah yeah that was yeah.
0: and that yeah. kind of felt more like the man with the golden gun there really were a lot of elements you yeah.
1: know in this yeah so um and then we get the face off between safin and bond when Safin's holding Matilde um, and Bond basically gets down on his knees and you know, looks like he's capitulating, gives up his weapons and stuff, and of course he's got one hidden underneath and then shoots the guard and Safin and Matilde drop through that thing in the floor.
0: A little contrived, a little overdone, I thought. I'm like, Okay, yeah. is he gonna get down and like kowtow or whatever? Yeah, he they yeah. they kinda overdid that a little bit, but but yeah. 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 That's fine.
1: And then we get, what I really like is we get the bit with Safin and Mathilde and he's walking out and she bites him. Yeah. And, and he doesn't shoot her. I figured he was going to kill her. I mean, I Right. And he's I just was like, well, shocked. if you don't want my protection, just go and you're on your own. I, I thought that was cool. I want to go back to one thing, though. So when they were in the car, there's a dialogue. There's an exchange of dialogue between Mathilde and Madeline in French where M- Mathilde says something about she got bit by a mosquito. And then she's like, "Do mosquitoes have friends? And I thought that might play off the mosquito bite might play in at the end oh. some way. Um because Safin had made up this DNA thing that, you know, the the, the bio the nanobots that would attack only Matilda and Madeline. hmm And I wondered whether the there was, you know, that mosquito bite would come in. It seemed weird that they set that out with some ver- couple of lines of very deliberate dialogue about her getting a mosquito bite. Yeah. And it never got referenced again.
0: Yeah. It almost felt like from a different ending and they just didn't take it out when they changed right. it or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, that is. But I love the fact that then she went and hid. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and then Bond finding them and actually introducing them to Nomi. And I love the line in there where. He basically introduces him to Nomi and says, Nomi, this is my... And then he drops his voice really low and just like as if he's realizing it himself for the first time, says the word family. I thought that was a great piece of acting.
0: Yes. So. Yeah, very nice. Very good, yeah. yeah. And especially given what's coming, you know, at right. the end where he kind of has to realize all this and square all of his stuff away before the end, obviously. So Yeah, yeah. So um we get the... The Saffin, the fight between Bond and Saffin, or is there something else before that we want? To- no,
1: I'm just trying. So yeah, they decide he, he so he realizes the only way I think to destroy it is with the missiles.
0: Yeah, and have to open the blast doors. They have so to open the
1: doors. Yeah, get through. <coughs> so he sends Matilda and Madeline away with Nomi. Excuse me.
0: Yeah, they and and I and I felt all along. Okay, Bond is hanging around, and there are missiles coming. And I'm like, yeah, this, there's like a 50 50- at that point. I'm like, there's a 50 50 chance that he's not getting out of yeah. there because they're going to way great lengths. It's either going to be he doesn't make it out or he barely makes it out. You know
1: what I mean? Yeah. Well, when he says the words, I'll be back soon, he's like, you know, he's not going to be.
0: Yeah. That's, well, that's when my <laughs> wife would be like, he's dead. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, he has to then go back and. Reopen the doors, and that's when they have you meet Safin again, and they have the fight in the middle of the pool with the the garden. The garden was a bit um, inconsistent because, like, people tending the flowers were wearing protective stuff, but even people raking the sand were wearing protective stuff. And then it looked like the water was poisonous, but then later on they were fighting in it, and they didn't seem to have any yeah effect. I don't, I don't know. Um, so they seemed a bit inconsistent with you know how how poisonous the poisonous garden was. Absolutely. And yeah, uh, but I actually thought that was a good fight. Um, I always mm-hmm. like it when the Bond villain, the Bond villain, the main villain themselves goes toe to toe with Bond at the end, which he did. Um, and it was interesting that we had
0: multiple Bond girls, women, and multiple villains in this movie, and yet it still kind of sorted out by the end. You know, because you had Blofeld, and yeah. you had Savin both in this movie, uh, among others. You know, you had some thugs, but even the Ash guy was kind of important. Uh, and then you know we had, um, I mean, the, how many Bond girls do we have? We had you know bringing back Madeline, who's the first, I guess, Bond girl yeah. to to return, and then and then uh, Paloma briefly, and 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 um, Nomi. So um, th- this really, like I said, it had a lot of characters, more than usual than in a Bond. It movie.
1: did, yeah. Plus plus the usual supporting cast, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. even counting. Um, Money Penny, but because she's in all of them. But you know, what I mean, but she's right. more in these though. She's more of a supporting character than right. Lois Maxwell ever was, really.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So you said you had questions about Saffin. So what did you think about him? What do you think about his uh, Romy Malik's performance?
0: Oh, I thought he was a great Bond villain. I thought he did a really good job. And we know he's a he's a very quirky guy, right? Everything he does has kind of a quirk to it, and it's kind of odd. So. Because, I mean, I've, I've seen him as Freddie Mercury. I saw him in the Pacific where he was one of the Marines, you know, in the, in mm-hmm. the Pacific War on HBO. And, and um, a couple other things. I saw a little bit of Mr. Robot. And, and he he does this kind of thing very well. Um, I was never completely – I mean, he kind of went from I'm out to avenge my family to I'm a super villain with an island base – Out to kill a bunch of people or make a billion dollars, and I wasn't quite sure how he went from one of those to the other. That was kind of an abrupt. I guess it was over a period of years, but it was still. It just seemed like kind of a dramatic. No, I agree
1: with you. It seemed to. It seemed you know his or whatever he was focused on went from revenge against Spectre to suddenly. I am Spectre. I am Spectre, or I am Scaramanga, and I'm going to you know I've got this weapon, and I'm going to sell it to the highest bidder. Yeah. Um, type role. And it's yeah. like, when did that flip happen? Or why did that flip happen? Exactly. And, and I didn't get that. Because he was something. He was, I mean,
0: they went to great lengths to make him scary and spooky and evil seeming at the beginning. But yet, once we kind of figure out what's going on, he was kind of halfway sympathetic.
1: Mm, I was going to say, that's why, you know, for me, I think he should have been. We should have had hints of him sprinkled more throughout the movie as the unseen ally who's dismantling Spectre. Yeah. Until he gets to that point where he realizes that what he's developed could be worth something to other people, mm-hmm. and then he starts putting it out to bid, and that's when Mi6 are like, "Okay, you're going too far now. You, you know, you, you you're now selling weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, you're no longer an ally. You you're yeah, become an enemy. You, they could have, could have done
0: be, more with him to make him a little yeah. more rounded. Now again, compare. We're, we're talking about a movie in a series where. You know, this is far more developed than stuff from like the '60s and '70s. So, it's, oh yeah. yeah, it's hard to complain too much. But we're just yeah. like when you raise the bar as much as this movie does, we're just kind of wanting that last quarter of an inch to raise yeah. you know, a little <laughs> bit more. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I, again, I, I think he, I, I think, I think, like Lashana Lynch, I think Remy Malek did really well with what he was given. Um, yeah, I think the, I think they could have done a bit more with the character. Well, I
0: think it's important for you and me to state, and I think that our li- our longtime listeners know this, but you and I have always reviewed reviewed these movies based on where they were in their time and place. So, in other mm-hmm. words, when we compare Skyfall to From Russia with Love or something, those are very different times and places, and we're not giving them the same type of, you know, we're not holding them both to the exact same standard. Because if we did, then then we would hate movies like Diamonds are Forever. And we we like them for their charms. We like them for how important they are. It's just that we look at each one of these in its own time and place. And they each each of these movies has a different set of criteria that we judge it by, which I think is fair because a whole lot of time has passed between these movies. And you can't yeah. put them all together. Yeah.
1: You can't. Yeah, no. You 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 can't judge a sixty-year-old movie against a current no. movie. and
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. I just want to make sure people understand that because they'd be like, well, if they didn't like so and so in this. What they think about, you know, uh, the spy who loved me. Well, it's a right. different. It's apples and oranges. You can't. Yeah. We don't compare. I, I
1: will say I can't think of anything in this light like, in this movie that I didn't like. Yeah. Well, pointed out things I think could have been done a little better, exactly. based on the fact that you and I tell stories. Yes. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Um, uh, and write and and have ideas about how plot and character should work. Um, so yeah, you know there are. I think there are f- a few shortfalls on it. Um, it's it doesn't it, it. It's not gone to the top of my list. Um, I think a lot of it was very well done, but I think there was you know a few pacing issues, a few character development issues. Um, right. But um, th- there's nothing in here I didn't like. I'm not going to go on a two-hour rant like I did about Skyfall. <laughs> Um, you know, so
0: it had it um, coming, Alan, it had it coming.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. With um, all right. So, so the, the big finish, the, the big finish, what do you write to the big finish?
0: Well, he, so he can't, he has to stay there and like manually open the doors and he finds out oh. that when they're fighting in the water, the little vial of whatever, which I had no idea what it was uh, has gotten on him. But mm-hmm. then when you realize, Oh my gosh, He now can't be around Madeline or Mathilde. He can't ever touch them or for their safety, even be down, you know, upwind of them ever again. And I thought, okay, at that point, when I realized that he was facing the prospect of never, ever, because they said it's permanent, you can't get rid of it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Which again, we don't know that. They could have developed some kind of dip, they could have dipped him in. But anyway. (laughs) when he realized that that was the case, and again, this is a plot device, so we have to just go with it, that it was permanent forever and there would never be a cure, okay? Then I'm like, you know what? He might just say, forget it. I'm ready to go out, right? Because I don't right. want to continue in a world where I can't be around them anymore. And so that's pretty much what he did. Yeah. And I was not that surprised.
1: No. I mean, as a you know, husband and father, I got it completely. Yeah. 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 You know, I have I, I, heard people say, you know, well, you know, maybe he could have, you know, gone off and lived somewhere else. But the thing is, even if it, the way that worked within the confines of the, the, that movie rules, if he'd have then, you know, maybe gone back to Jamaica and never seen them. But maybe somebody went to visit him in Jamaica and then they touched somebody else and they touched somebody else and eventually it would come back around. To the yeah, he didn't You didn't want know. to
0: take the chance. He he felt yeah. like he was as much a deadly weapon as the rest of that base, and he needed to be blown up just like the base.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: and also we have to understand that this was a story. And so when people pick at it for like real world but what if they could what if they had done this what if you do that they were trying it's kind of like the end of Avengers Endgame where Captain America goes back in time and spends his life with right. with his girlfriend right does it you know can you pick at that logically of course but that's not the point it's a story and the writers were trying to make a poetic ending to the story so you yeah. don't don't pry at it and pick at it and scratch at it too much because it's like saying well you know, I was reading this poem, and the poem didn't make a lot of sense. It's a poem; it <laughs> does what it's supposed to do. Okay, so I thought it, but it was. Made,
1: it made fun. sense within within the movie. And yes, like I said, as a, you know, I, a, as a father and father of daughters, um, yeah. a husband and a father of daughters, I totally got it. If I could never see them again, geez, I don't know what I'd do. But exactly in those circumstances, yeah.
0: And especially yeah. if you're a world weary spy who's felt like you've done everything you could anyway, yeah. and were are already retired. Yeah. He's yeah. like, you know, I can go fish for 20 more years and maybe endanger their life, like you just said, through a happenstance. Or I can just go ahead and punch out now and incidentally help save the world from this anyway. I mean, it seemed like the obvious thing to do. Yeah,
1: yeah it's very logical. And um, I must admit him finding the doll and tucking the doll into his uh, the, his daughter's cuddly uh, little squidgy doll or whatever it was that she carried around and finding that and tucking it into his, his belt or his braces was, uh, yeah, that was a bit of a oh moment as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, I, it, I thought, I thought it was very, very well done. Um, so,
0: so kaboom kaboom and no more James Bond. Yeah. And then we get our last two little scenes, I think.
1: Yes. So we get the, the scene back at M's office where they're doing the toasting bond like i said for me no seemed out of place i mean she needed to be in there from for this movie story but compared to the others she seemed a little out of place but yeah. i thought it was i thought it was a good um it was a good send-off yeah i like it you know okay we've done that now we've got to get back to work i, to I like work. that
0: cry yeah. uh, super villains never sleep there's sleep, more yeah. out there get, gotta get ready
1: <laughs> so i like that and then we we cut to the the uh the aston martin driving along and you see that it's Madeline and Matilda in there. Um, and then she says, let me tell you a story about a man named Bond, James Bond. And that was it. I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the
0: end, right? So there you go. Yeah.
1: And then they start playing all the time in the world. Uh, the full. Oh man. Uh,
0: yeah. Just yeah. kick me in the
1: nuts, please. Yeah. Just go ahead yeah. and
0: play. We have all the time. And when they played all the time in the world, I'm like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. my the gosh. Mo-
1: the movie theater got really dusty at that
0: point. <laughs> it I does. Think. It had the tendency <laughs> to do that. It stirs it up. It's weird. Yeah. So yeah, that was and and again, I thought that was like a very good kind of coming around full circle to when his wife died in Honor and Majesty's Secret Service, yeah, we get that music, and they're in the car, and now we've come full circle to her to the to basically his wife in this series in yeah. the car with a child, and Bond is the one that's dead, you know, so yeah,
1: yeah, so I thought it was a I thought it was a great way to end the movie it I think it worked within the confines of the movie, um you know. Is, is is the character James uh, and of course we you know for those of us who sat to the end of the of the credits it did say those words James Bond will return so um you know i think we'll just see not a full this James bond. just not Daniel Craig's one and uh, you he know get blowed up i i've talked a bit about this on the uh, on the other review i did but this was really no surprise i mean really right at the beginning at the, even pre-production people were talking about the fact that bond was going to die in this movie that My understanding is that's one of the problems that they had with Danny Boyle, between Danny Boyle and the producers, is the producers Mm -hmm. wanted to kill off Bond in this movie. Danny Boyle didn't. I think Daniel Craig did. I think was one of the reasons that he came back, because Barbara Broccoli kept saying to him, your story isn't finished. If you do one more, you can finish your story. And there's only one way to finish the story. Yep. And not be constantly asked, are you going to play James Bond again? This pretty much... This
0: yeah. solved that problem for Daniel Craig more than anything else. Daniel Craig will not have to be asked, you think they'll glue you back together and, <laughs> and do and he's go,
1: You And know, he's going off to build his own franchise with the Benoit Blanc series of movies, which is making him a lot more money than Bond does. Um, so you know, the which ones, the, the Knives Out?
0: Oh, The Knives um, Out, yes, yes, yeah. Oh, those are great, those yeah, are great. Well, I, I well, the, I mean, the ones. So the
1: second one, and yeah, okay. um, so you know, and he's the co producer, and they got, oh, yeah, you know. So forth. So, you know, he's got a new career. He's going in. So, you know, I think, you know, Daniel Craig wanted to do it. The producers wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a good way of tying up um, the, the, uh, the, five, the five story arc that wasn't really a story arc until we got halfway through it. Um, <laughs>
0: but, and and <laughs> but, we hadn't, but had for
1: another podcast, actually. Hey, well,
0: right. And we're going to. But we hadn't, and that's yeah. another thing. There weren't many things left that we hadn't seen before in a Bond movie. There weren't right. many places left to go. This was one of those places. Yeah, this is going to set this movie apart forever. Right. It'll be a it long is. time before we see a James Bond die again. This was the first time, and it'll right. be a long
1: time before we see it again. It is. Um, but for me, I, as much as I enjoyed this movie, I'm not sure where it stands as a Bond movie. I, I tend to think of the Bond movie, the, the Daniel Craig ones, as a an alternate thread of the multiverse. Yeah. If you like. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're, they're a sort of an alternate universe bond. Um, you know, I, I've said on this podcast several times. not a huge fan of the Daniel Craig era. I think right. this was a great way to cap off the Daniel Craig era. Agree. Um, it, it makes these those five movies fit together. The interesting thing is, it really picking on Skyfall again. Really leaves Skyfall on its own though, in terms of because you've got Casino and Quantum work together as the beginning of his story. Mm-hmm. Spectre and this. Work together is the end of his story. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where Skyfall fits in that narrative. And again, that's maybe something for the other podcast that we do. Um, Skyfall. But, uh, Skyfall was never
0: going to fit into anything because it was done for the fiftieth anniversary or right. whatever it was, and it had to show an old Bond past his prime being brought back and everything. And that didn't fit in with anything else they were doing in this in this series. And it will never fit in. It's one of the reasons yeah. I don't like it, though, just one of many.
1: Yeah so you know I think I think this one is also going to be a bit of an anomaly um, yeah. as as years go as we go forward um, but as as part of that five movie package yeah I think it was a good ending of that five movie package is it one I think in terms of a bond movie it'll probably be in top 10 of my bond movies mm-hmm. but it's not going to be I'm not sure it's going to be in my top 5 uh, I haven't decided yet I will say one thing about this movie it is one of the Bond movies that stuck with you and made you think about things yes. for a long time after you came out of the movie theater. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: It's so. it's it's my number 2 Craig right now having seen it once after Casino just because Casino had so much fun. This movie right. had some fun, but it also had some downer stuff, but it was good downer stuff, but
1: Yeah. But
0: yeah, yeah no. I what makes this movie stand out for me as I said is that it made more sense than a lot of Bond movies, and the dialogue, and everything in it was organic for the most part, except for a couple of exceptions we touched on. And so, I give it very, very high marks for holding together as a, any as a movie in general, Bond yeah. not related, and yeah. that's going to move it ahead of some automatically. So, yeah. I, I I I don't. I think it's too much of a downer, though. Again, it's a good downer, but I think it's too much of a downer to be better than Casino Royale for me. And I know Casino Royale was a downer too, but in a different way. Right. So it's right up there with that one, and to me, it's clearly better than the other three.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's my second or third.
0: Okay. What would be yeah. what would be in competition with it for second?
1: Uh, it's Quantum. Okay. Um. Because um, okay. I, i, I having rewatched the quantum again because we before we went to this one, we rewatched all the Daniel Craig ones again and haven't rewatched Quantum yet again. Um every time I rewatch it I it moves up a little notch.
0: Still so. got all the South American nonsense that drags it down for me. If it was just Bond against Mr. Green and and Quantum and the Opera House and all, it would be a top top ten See, bond. The South
1: American nonsense is the stuff that's actually real. <laughs> <laughs> don't like so.
0: it. I don't like it.
1: I don't like it. Which <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um but so, to, yeah, yeah. So, so
0: this was a good movie. this was a great movie and a very good bond movie we're just still determining where it fits in in our bond
1: yeah and for me it may yeah it, it may be my number two gray game you know i'm like i'm waving my hand folks i'm backwards and forwards on it i'm not uh, yeah i'm not no. sure i'm not sure um,
0: well, we're gonna watch it on video a few times and uh, right. do a whole nother show, and and I, I, the movie will be a lot clearer in my head after I've seen it a few more times. It's the way it is with yeah. all Bond movies. So um, I think I
1: saw today the video is out December twentieth.
0: Wow, man! I forgot that we live in a world now where you don't have to wait like a year. You know what I mean? I know it used to yeah. be like a year. <laughs> now it's mm. like boom. I mean, I'm still dealing with the fact that Dune came out the same time in the in the, in the you know, on TV that it was. That is at the theater, so I'm, you know that's blowing my mind. So yeah, it's a different world, but uh, yeah. All right. Any final thoughts before we wrap up?
1: I don't think so. I think we covered everything. Uh, like I say, I think we we can. Uh, I think we got a few more go rounds on this to yep. talk about. Talk about it with some other folks. Uh, we are not. Maybe, we
0: are not done with this movie. Nope. nope. But this we're is. We're not going to do
1: thirty. We're not going to do thirty days of No time to die.
0: <laughs> no, we've we've done what? about seven now, and that's plenty. <laughs> I
1: think. And we, I think we got another couple with ideas in mind. Uh, we do. Looking forward to continue. Like I said, this is a movie that I think has got so many different um, facets to it. There's always going to be something to talk about. For sure.
0: Yeah. One of the things Alan and I have talked about is doing, maybe we're going to do like a retrospective on the whole Craig run, which I think would be good. And we still want to do kind of a round table with some other folks as well. And mainly we want to kind of revisit it after we've seen it a couple more times on video when it comes out. So in a few months... Uh, you should see a few more of these popping up, uh, but in the meantime, I guess the On Her Magic Secret podcast will return. See you later, Ellen. Cheers, Van. Thanks. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.